Okay, thank you very much. Okay, Dr. Maura Conway. Okay, so uh, basically, uh, what I've been interested in over time is the relationship between uh, terrorism and the internet. And I think there's two ways in which you can conceive of terrorism and the internet. The first, and the one I think that was talked about most often in a pre 9 11 setting, but also in the period immediately post 9 11, was something called cyber terrorism. Uh, and I've uh, c considered this issue uh, of cyber terrorism for, for a number of different aspects. And as far as I'm concerned, no act of cyber terrorism has ever actually yet occurred. Now, um, this is not the kind of impression that I think you get uh, going uh, to what Phil was just speaking about, certainly that you get from media. Because pe uh, people, especially in the media, talk about cyber terrorism a great deal of the time. Uh, and I think uh, generally they mean, uh, uh, they include in this category of cyber terrorism a very, very wide range um, of different types of uh, internet use by substate political violence actors that I would um, challenge applying this uh, term to. So when I say that there are basically two ways in which to conceive of the relationship between terrorism and the internet, I think that one of them is um, the way in which terrorists might potentially, but haven't yet, uh, use the internet uh, for attack purposes, if you like. In other words, um, either as um, a tool or a target um, of attack. So that's one way. The other way, which I think is the more important uh, way in which the, terror, uh, the internet is definitely currently being used by terrorist outfits is just that, it's terrorist use of the internet. And in other words, terrorists use the internet in the same way as everybody else in order to somehow maximize their power uh, capabilities, etc. Let me talk about the cyber terrorism thing a little bit more before I talk uh, more specifically about uh, the terrorism internet uh, relationship or this use uh, question. I say that uh, uh, no act of cyber terrorism has ever yet occurred, and I know that um, quite a lot of people uh, disagree with me on this because they have this very wide definition of what they think uh, cyber terrorism entails. But um, I think the first thing you have to think of when you're uh, thinking about the cyber terrorism issue is actually about what terrorism um, means. So what constitutes terrorism before asking yourself what constitutes cyber terrorism? There is no universally agreed definition of terrorism. But at a minimum, what most people will agree with respect to terrorism and what it, uh, uh, you know, what it is composed of is two things. So terrorism, to be named such, has to have A, a political component, and B, a violence component. Violence plus politics equals terrorism. Mind you, it also equals war and other types of conflicts too, you might notice. But in a really minimum sort of fashion, you must have violence and politics. Okay? And this is where I think um, problems arise in terms of, of this concept of cyber terrorism. Because what exactly constitutes violence in a cyber context or in a virtual environment? Okay? So quite a deal of the time, people refer um, to various acts as cyber terrorist acts. For example, attacks on websites are very often today referred to as cyber terrorist attacks. But personally, I have a problem with that because there's a question about the violence component to those. Okay? Which means that there's also a really large question mark as far as I'm concerned about the terrorism component to those. Because if you think about it, attacking somebody's website 
is wrong. It can certainly be criminal. But is it terrorism? And some people in terrorism studies, they talk about this so-called BTKP rule. In other words, for something to be construed as terrorism, you've got to break things and kill people. Okay? And this doesn't happen in cyberspace. Somebody has said the only way in which you can be killed by a computer is for someone to drop it on you from a great height. Okay? So I think there's a real question about um, inflating the concept of terrorism such that more and more things fall into the category of terrorism, which is a problem at present as far as I'm concerned anyway, but it's even, it's, uh, even greater in this virtual context because people are fearful about technology. Um, people um, are more willing, uh, I think, in cyber or in virtual environments or when we begin to talk about the internet, to dub things terrorism in that environment that they wouldn't dub terrorism in offline environments, in the real world, if you like. So you get more and more things being dumped into this category of cyber terrorism, which don't have this violence component per se. They're annoying, they're costly, they're criminal, but they're not terrorism. And one way I think to think about it is to kind of compare um, attacks on websites, for example, to an attack on the actual headquarters like, of uh, some corporation or other, okay? And most of, what, um, most of what's being dubbed cyber terrorism, okay, if it were to occur in the real world, uh, kind of uh, stretches from, I would say, very minor acts like lobbing a stone through the window at Microsoft because you don't like Microsoft products or whatever, to perhaps some more costly attacks, but most of them operating well below this level of actually um, endangering people's lives, uh, for example. So, like I say, it's not that I don't think an act of cyber terrorism couldn't occur at some time in the future, because it's probably the case that we're more and more reliant on technologies. And certainly, if you had an attack that had both a cyber component and a traditional violence component, so a physical component also, you, you might have um, a very convincing terrorist attack, if you like, quite a, a spectacular terrorist attack, in fact. What people generally talk about in this regard is um, an attack on, for example, uh, here in the UK, the 999 um, emergency call system in conjunction with, say, um, a whole lot of different um, uh, bombing, bombs going off say, simultaneously uh, in London or someplace. So that would have both a cyber or a virtual uh, component and also a physical component and would make probably a fairly spectacular terrorist event. But absent that, um, I think at the present time that A, no act of cyber terrorism has yet occurred, and B, actually carrying out a convincing cyber attack at the present time that could be called a cyber terrorist attack would have a fairly high level of difficulty and would have to have both these virtual and physical components in order to be successful, if you like. Because the thing about a cyber terrorist attack, so-called, on its own, so say you could carry out an attack that um, uh, 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 came close, if you like, to the, the, the BTKP rule. So you, you had a t an attack that had this physical violence um, aspect to it. Um, I think there's a level of difficulty there uh, because with regard to operating in a virtual environment, it's very difficult to know where attacks originate a great deal of the time. So they can be easily characterized as accidents. Um, 
Secondly, I think a lot of the most spectacular um, terrorist events of recent times have had a very significant image component. Think about 9-11. One of the most um, spectacular, I suppose, aspects of 9-11 is the way in which we've seen the images over and over again. And everybody, probably everybody in the whole world at this stage is familiar with those images. So in a media-saturated world, in our media-saturated world, um, I think really spectacular terrorist events have to have this image component. And a cyber terror attack, a pure cyber terror attack, wouldn't have that kind of a component uh, generally that I could uh, think of. And then, like I say, there's really this aspect of accident is um, a very significant one also because people talk a lot about um, uh, the way in which um, you, you might, or some events that have occurred over the past decade, say, might have been terrorist incidents. So somebody raised to me recently, some of you may remember the um, blackout of the United States in 2004 that took out a big swathe of the East Coast and, and Middle America, and said, well, you know, it might have been a terrorist attack. Well, it might have been. Yeah, it might have been a cyber terrorist attack. They might somehow have, um, you know, gotten into the electric power grid and shut it down, etc. But if it was, it wasn't a very convincing terrorist attack. 9-11 is a convincing terrorist attack. The, the, this uh, potential uh, attack on the power grid isn't. It lacks the images. It could have been an accident. Um, you know, it, it, it's just, it gives uh, government, I think, uh, the power to say um, it, it was an accident or whatever. And I'm not suggesting for one moment, mind you, that the attack on the power grid was actually a terrorist attack. I'm just you know, kind of thinking it through as if it were. Whereas on 9-11, one of the most interesting, most convincing aspects of it, I think, is when the second plane comes for the towers and it's very clearly not an accident. So the first plane, some people thought it was, legitimately so. The second plane is clearly not an accident, it's a terrorist attack and it's one that takes place in the public eye with these really spectacular images, etc., that can be replayed over and over. That's the cyber terrorism issue. There's a, there's a lot more things, I think, that it's possible uh, to talk about in this uh, respect, but like I say, for me, I think there's a possibility that a cyber uh, attack might occur in the future, a cyber terrorist attack, but I would say that none um, has yet occurred. For me, the most important contemporary aspect of the relationship between terrorism <coughs> and the internet is the way in which terrorists are using the internet just like everybody else, like you and I, for um, dissemination of information, for keeping in contact with each other in an intra-group con uh, context, um, but also for uh, kind of social networking purposes uh, also. So when I first started looking at the relationship between terrorism and the internet, this, was, this quote that you see here was one of the things uh, that kind of uh, appealed uh, to me. I was, Walter Lacker is uh, somebody who has worked in terrorism studies for a very long time, for decades at this stage. He's a very prominent figure. And in a well-known text in 1999, he said that, you know, basically the internet could never really be used by terrorists. Um, uh, for any kind of um, serious political purpose, if you like. And he's quite specific. He talks about um, the uh, Lebanese, he talks about the Israel-Palestine conflict to the Kurds, he's talking about the PKK, he's talking about Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, etc. One of the really interesting things I think about this quote, apart from the fact that he was uh, significantly wrong, as it turns out, um, but one of the uh, interesting things about the quote uh, is that just a few lines previously, he talks about how audio cassettes had a very real impact on the Iranian Revolution in 1979-1980. So um, Imam Khomeini, in, um, who was exiled in Paris uh, in the 19, late 1970s, 
um, his sermons and whatnot, his political speeches, etc. They were smuggled into Iran on uh, audio cassettes, and they had a really, really profound impact. And many people would say they they, they were um, at least partially responsible for the revolution in Iran, etc. And and and. You can't really dispute this, and Lacquer certainly doesn't dispute it in this text, but for some reason he believes that in the internet, which is much more powerful, I think, than uh, audio cassettes, just can't have the same uh, impact. But I think over time what we've seen is that it certainly can't. So um, immediately post 9-11, a lot of the discussion was about the possibility of a cyber terrorist attack. But over time, what we've come to see is that what's a lot more important is, which is the way in which terrorists are currently using the net for propaganda purposes, for intergroup uh, communication purposes, uh, etc. Why use the internet? Well, like I said, for the same reasons that everybody else is using the internet, because you can distribute large volumes of information at very high speed in many different formats, in very many different directions, and with a very high level of individual uh, control. I would say there are probably about seven ways in which terrorists are currently using the internet. There's some overlap between these, but it's interesting, I think, just to um, divide them in, in, in this fashion um, in order to kind of think through these different aspects. Um, probably the most uh, important aspect right now, I would say, is for publicity and propaganda purposes, which um, clearly has um, overlap with the kind of psychological warfare. When I say psychological warfare, I suppose I mean things like the beheading videos and whatnot that are targeted at a Western audience to, to, to um, or have at least, have um, as at least one of their targets a Western audience um, and to, to engender fear uh, in people in a Western uh, context, but also, of course, to engender fear in people on the ground in Iraq and to, um, I suppose, seek, um, uh, seek support from people who are already sympathizers sympathizers with violent uh, jihadism. And again, all of this feeds into sort of recruitment and mobilization um, of people for uh, violence. And then there's also the fundraising aspects, networking aspects, information collection, information sharing aspects, which feeds into, you know, actually carrying out attacks and that kind of thing. Information collection, um, you know, in other words, collecting information from um, public sources, w websites, w uh, whether they're about specific targets of attack or about actual um, how to carry out operations, and then sharing that information, violent jihadists sharing that information amongst themselves via the internet. So for example, information about how to carry out assassinations, how to build uh, bombs, how to um, construct suicide vests, uh, that kind of thing. There's an interesting aspect, I think, to all of this, and one which interests uh, me in a significant way is uh, the way in which there seems to be um, a divide that it's possible to apprehend between so-called new terrorist organizations versus old terrorist organizations and how they're currently using the internet. This is a big debate uh, in terrorism studies. So amongst people who study terrorism, there's a debate about whether there is a new terrorism out there in the world, which is quantitatively and qualitatively different from so-called old terrorism. And old terrorists are generally held to be ethno-nationalist, ethno-separatist groups, leftist groups that have operated, uh, many of them from, let's say, the late 1960s. And many of them are still